Blog Talk Radio. There's a direct relationship between having the businesses and being in prison. Go find an Asian, see how many Asians you can find in American prisons. They ain't going to be in there. But 51% of your prison will be black because you don't, blacks don't have any businesses and industries. There's a direct link. Blacks won't practice group economics. Blacks won't practice group politics. If you don't practice, you're setting yourselves up. I told that five-story building, you're setting yourself to get wiped out. Understand the nature of race, which is economics. If you, if you build the first floor, it's economic. Build your businesses and your industries. Control buildings and industry, and put that pools in your money. And hold that money. And, it's a, and practice group economics <clears throat> with it. Arab and Asian money bounces 12 or 13 times for at least. Jewish money bounces 18 times. Black folk got to learn how to practice group economics. Black Americans spend every penny they get outside their own community. Then you take the money and the wealth that you get from that first floor and go to the second floor. The second floor is politics. You then take that money on the first floor and you control your politics. Black folk must quit allowing people to tell them to go out and vote. Vote for what? Nobody's going to do anything for black folk in politics. Politics is controlled by money. Major corporations who got the money. That's what controls politics. If you have no money, you have no say-so, you have no benefits coming. So you take your money and you control and you take your money on the first floor, you buy every politician on the second floor. And any politician you can't buy, you rent or lease them to get what you need. Then once you get the second floor under control with the politician, with your money, then you go to the third floor. The third floor is then is the police department and the court system. You take your money from the first floor and your politics on the second floor and you control the court system and the police department. Then the fourth floor, the fourth floor then is media. You then take the money that you generate off the first floor from business and industries <clears throat> and you go after radio stations, TV stations, newspapers, and cable systems so that you can now inform and communicate with your own people. Right now, <clears throat> black folk only control less than 35 thousandths of 1% of the media in the United States. Out of 12,000 radio stations, black folk own about something like about 75 or 80. That's all. You own no cable systems. You don't have a daily newspaper. You have nothing of importance. You don't. You got about one black TV station. And you, so you can't communicate with your people. You can't inform your people. You can't do anything. You can have Rush Limbaugh and all the rest of the guys talking about racism all day long and bad-mouthing you and O'Reilly. They can talk, call black folk all kind of names all day long. What are you going to do? You can't respond. You can't even communicate with your own people because you, you don't have an economic base. 51% of all the prisons in the United States are black people. You know, even though you only make up 12% of the population. That's no accident. It's because you don't control the economics and the politics. And they're going to go after the weakest people they can get their hands on to incarcerate them. That's the black folk. And what are you going to do in response to them when they, when they, when they over-incarcerate you? You're going to go out and have a march or demonstration. We're going to march. March for what? Who cares? Marches never change anything.
many a young athlete entertains hoop dreams. Few, if any, have tried as hard to make them come true as the kid our Steve Hartman has gone to see. Every week, he set himself up for disappointment. Every week, 13-year-old Jamarian Stiles came to this community center in Boca Raton, Florida, hoping to play basketball with the other kids. And every week, he was rejected. They'll start picking teams, and I will be the only one left out. And then they'll just tell me, just go home and stuff. You can break someone's heart like that. The problem was obvious to everyone but Jamarion. He lost his hands and most of his arms as an infant due to a rare bacterial infection. But he insisted that was no reason to give up his hoop dreams. What about soccer? Have you heard of that sport? Yeah, hear it every day. Why don't you play soccer? That just seems like the obvious thing. You would think that I would be good at soccer. I'm really not. I'm horrible. <laughs> Which is why, on the first day of class here at Eagles Landing Middle School, Jamarian took his case to basketball coach Darian Williams. Yeah. Said he wanted to be on the team this year. I said, all great, well, just make sure you try out. He said, okay, great, but what are you really thinking? <laughs> this man has no arms. Yeah. How is he going to play basketball? But, man, he told me, Mr. Williams, I've never been on a team before. Even if I don't play, I just want to be on the team. And how could I say no to that? And that's how the Eagles got their first armless basketball player. Jamarian, number two there, quickly earned a reputation as the hardest worker on the squad. He was usually the first one in the gym, usually the last one to leave. Still, he sat on the bench most of the season. Try one more. Until last month. Coach put him in the game with about six minutes left. And when he eventually got the ball on the far side of the court, everyone yelled, shoot it. So he did and sank a three-pointer. And if you didn't quite see that, don't worry, because shortly after, he got the ball again, this time on the near side, for another three-pointer. At the buzzer. Jamarian Stiles, the kid no one would pick, was now everyone's hero. Needless to say, today, Jamarian can play all he wants at the community center. He just made the volleyball team and has every intention of playing football next year. Really, the only thing he won't play is the victim. If I could wave a magic wand right now and give you your arms back, would you want them? I don't need them. <laughs> you don't need them? No. Nope. Who needs hands when you've got this kind of touch? Uh, now, I learned this from uh, Joel Osteen. That, that's my man. He be texting me. That's my man. This, God done put some people around me. Show me some stuff. He was telling this story. He said, uh, this man that went to heaven, he was walking with Peter uh, down this aisleway, and it had, was going down this corridor, had a lot of doors on it, and said all these doors had names on it. And he said, uh, Peter, let me ask you something. What's, what's, the, what's all these doors, these names on? He said, don't worry about it. Just go ahead. So he kept walking. He messed around. He saw one of them doors and had his name on it. He said, whoa. He said, hey, Peter, this here ain't got my name on it. <laughs> Something I need to know? He said, man, don't worry about that. You, you here now. Just go on in there and talk to him. See what he said. He said, no, nah, I want to know what's in the door. He said, you sure you want to see what's in the door? He said, yeah. So he opened up the door. It was a warehouse. It had number shelves on it. And then the shelves had nothing but packages. And all the packages had his name on them. 
And he said, what is all these boxes? He said, that's all of the blessings, all of the things God wanted to ship to you. But number one, you didn't ask him for it. Then number two, you didn't believe you would have it. Then you, you doubted him. And then you, you felt like you wasn't worthy. And so now all these boxes is up here. Now the man standing there wishing he had never even been in the room. And I started thinking. I got some dudes that work for me. And I said, I want you to do this graph for me. And that's what I'm finna show you now. See, what you happen is, when God sends your package, he only sends it to one street. That's Faith Street. You got to stay in faith. You can't move off of Faith Street. You can't get on Doubted Drive. You can't be over there and start doubting it, because your package going to go right on by. You can't lose your faith and get on not meant to be way because your package is going to keep going right on by because the package just go to faith street you can get your little feelings hurt i ain't worthy guess what your package going to keep going right on by you have not because you ask not then you sit up here and start feeling sorry for yourself you go over on pity way your package keep going right on by if you stay right on faith street don't ever come off, because the blessing is coming. If you wait on it, here it comes. It may not come when you want it, but it don't pass. But if you get up and you move off of Faith Street, your box going to get sent back to Cinder. And now you're going to have a warehouse with a bunch of boxes with your name on it that you didn't never get. And I don't know about you, but I want everything he got for me. If he got something for me, I need all of mine. Because I don't know about you, but God lay you out, man. God will give you stuff. Man, he done took me places. I ain't never thought I was going to go. I done seen parts of the world I never even thought I could go to. He done gave me stuff. He done put people in my life. God will do it for you, man. But you just got to stay, man. Use these principles of success. Understand, God is just that way. He'll lay you out. Because if he can lay me out, see, if he fix me and change me and get me over here trying to do better, I ain't perfect. I'm just trying to do better. I still say some stuff I ain't supposed to say. You understand? I ain't, I ain't got it all together yet. I just got in the gate. I'm a new kind of Christian. But ain't no lock on my gate either. So if, if you see, once you, once you check me, I'm probably going to check you back. But I'm getting better at that. I don't know how to love my enemies yet. I'm getting better at it, though. But it's a process. And the more times we can make people understand that it's a process, the more people can come in. And y'all people that have been good to me, that have been praying for me. I mean, man, my mama. If she could see me now. I just wish my mama could see me. Because she's been praying for this hill all her life. Watch my son. Well, he done watched me, mama. And I'm cool now. And my philosophy is very simple. I was who I was. But I am who I am. And I'm cool with both them people. Because who I was wasn't that bad cap. I made some mistakes. But, I, but I've been changed a little bit. And it's still a process. And the more people that you invite into the process, the better this is. Because ain't nobody perfect know how. So I really appreciate y'all, man, hearing me and listening to me. I'm going to ask Kirk Franklin.
if he will come. All right, today's topic, houses. Houses are built for uh, built for banks, not for people. Houses are built for banks and not for people. And go to go even one step further, houses are built for banks and municipalities. Now, let me make some distinctions here. I would say the majority of houses that are built, not all, but the majority of houses that have been built in the United States and other places, but let's just keep it to the United States for this conversation. The majority of houses built in the United States, not all, but I would say a good 75%, 75 or 80% of the houses built in the United States were primarily built for banks and municipalities. It might not look that way, but I think I can give you some evidence that in reality they were. All right. So before I get into that, in six one nine seven six eight two nine four five, you even comment on that. Uh, I'm going to play something I've played on here before. Uh, but I want to play it again to make my point. Also tonight, the incredible transformation and the Buffalo Strong spirit that made it all happen. 7 Eyewitness News reporter Taylor Epps shows us how a young lady has completed her very own renovation project. 11-year-old Lauren Nelson had big plans for her summer. I thought it was going to be pretty fun, but with COVID going on, it was going to be not as fun as it could be. But things changed one day when she was flipping through an American Girl doll magazine at her home in Attica. And she showed us a $650 VW bus. My husband was like, that's ridiculous. You could buy your own camper for that price. So she did just that. Lauren saved some money and started looking. A neighbor just down the road had this 20-foot camper that caught her eye. And then the one day up popped a for sale sign and she squealed the whole way home and she started negotiating. It wasn't very hard. He said 500 and I said 400 because that was the money that I had in my bank account. He said sold. Then it was time to renovate. It was a process. We brought home a family of mice. And so there was a lot of deep cleaning, but that didn't stop her. I was very motivated because I really wanted a place where I could just like hang out like my own house. The whole renovation process took Lauren about two months. And with the help of family and friends, she was able to turn this into this. Um, it's called Camp Hugo. It means very comfortable and safe. It has its own kitchen and bathroom, so it's like a tiny house. Now you're the owner of a tiny home at 11 years old. Yes. <laughs> the whole project cost her $800. She has three envelopes that she puts her money in, give, save, and spend. I think she made a really good choice. She now says she's part of the tiny home nation. She was able to turn her summer around and hopes to inspire others to do the same, which is awesome to see that somebody who's 11 years old had her own vision but now is out there and other people are contacting us and they've gone out and bought a camper to do the same thing. If you're looking to have some big plans in the future, you should go out and do it. Make it happen. In Attica, Taylor Epps, 7 Eyewitness News. 
All right. Laura Nelson, who's now 12 years old, she she owns that. It, it's not a it's it that her camper is not a traditional thick built house. It's not considered real estate. It's considered personal property. She doesn't have to pay. And since it's not real estate, there are no yearly tax assessments on it. Uh, there, there's no tax bill that she has to pay on it. Uh, as far as property taxes go on a yearly basis, it's personal property. And you have many people in the United States as well as around the world that have opted for this option of non-traditional stick built house because the typical piece of real estate is primarily built for the benefit of bankers who will give you that 30-year mortgage. Okay, they're making money off you for 30 years unless you pay off the house. And the municipality where it sits. It, now, this doesn't apply to mo- all municipalities, but most. If you take, like for instance, if Lord took that house and permanently attached it, that camper rather, and permanently attached it to the land, it will be considered real estate. Now, of course, depending on where she's at, uh, she's going to have to do some things according to the local code. But it will be considered real estate. Then her de facto partner, senior partner, will be the local municipality who's making money off of the utilities, uh, Depending on where you're at, some places, in many, most places, the local municipality, they get you for water. Some places, they get you for water and electricity. But as it stands now, the way Laura has it, it she's got an off the earth thing. So some of the topics we want to cover today, banks. I mean, houses were built for banks and municipalities. Uh, so, built for banks, built for municipalities, um, off-the-grid housing, off-the-grid utilities, and off-the-grid infrastructure, including mail delivery. Another example, um, would be, um, like, for instance, you know, in some of these cities, you know, they go by the tax assessment and the tax assessment might say your house is worth $250,000 and they send you a tax bill that reflects it. Okay. Now, that $250,000 is of value to the local taxing authority so they can get more money out of you on a yearly basis. So if the property goes up in value, and they're the ones assessing it. They're the ones. Now, you can protest it. 
And then you you can take advantage of a homestead exemption exemption if you live in you live in it in that particular neck of the woods. But it's the the yearly assessment and any improvements of which you, in most cases, particularly in large jurisdictions, you ha- you have to get a permit. Short term for I mean, is it really yours if you have to get a if you have to get permission and permission a short way to say permission is permit is it really yours outright 100% if you got to get permission to build it the size that you want to build it it can be you might want 3000 square square feet or 4000 square feet or 400 square feet or 200 square feet but you've got to get, you got to pull the proper permit. So if, is it really yours if you have to get permission to build a pool or, or put a shed on it? Is it really? No, it isn't. You've got some legal rights, but it, it's you have a de, de facto senior partner, just like we mentioned here last week. Lady wanted to chop down a tree in her yard. Pull the permit, which did not include labor, to pull the permit from the city, $7,500. You need to take a look at off-grid housing options. Here's one. Hi folks, in this video I'd like to talk about how to have a home with no house payments and no monthly utility bills. You may think that's not possible, but I do it and lots of other people do it as well. I'm going to show you how it can be done, how it can be done very inexpensively, and just kind of a, give you some ideas for things that you can do that uh, society and uh, the economic powers that be don't want you to know. So stay with me for a second and let me walk you through this. First, you need some land. This is my piece of land which is under an acre, about three-fourths of an acre. And that's really all you need to take care of most of the needs you have and for running a small homestead. Now I was lucky enough to get this piece of property uh, from family. It was uh, willed to me when my father passed away. But I have also purchased small pieces of property like this for under $400. I have an acre down in uh, Arizona near Sholo, Arizona that I purchased for under $400. I have five acres near El Paso, Texas that I purchased for under $700. So it's very easy to find a piece of land if you do some looking around. eBay is a good source for finding land. Tax sales are a good source for finding land. Uh, family members may want to sell off a piece of land, go around looking in rural areas, and maybe you'll find a farmer that wants to split off a small piece of land and would gladly sell you one. You don't have to spend a lot of money on land. Okay, This is land that doesn't have utilities run to it. Uh, it doesn't have a blacktop road that runs into it or driveway. It's rough land. That's what you start with usually if you want to buy a small piece of land that you're going to homestead on. After you have your piece of land, then you're going to have to have a house. You can have a big house like most people live in. 
and you can pay a lot of money for it and have a mortgage and be a slave to the system for another 30 years, or you can decide if you'd like to build a smaller house like mine. Paid for with cash. This is my solar cabin. The cabin cost me $2,000 to build. That does not include the doors and windows which I salvaged off of a trailer that was being torn down. For the cabin, it cost me $2,000. It is 14 by 14. Downstairs is living area, dining area, bathroom, kitchen. Upstairs, I have a loft bedroom and an office. In my other videos, I take you on a complete walkthrough of this cabin, so watch those if you want to see how the cabin is uh, as large as it is and functional on the inside. Up there on my roof, you see my solar panels. That's a 350-watt solar system that provides all of my electricity needs for lights, TVs, water pumps, all miscellaneous gadget, laptop TV, run my vacuum, and everything else off of a 350-watt system. That 350-watt system cost me under $3,000. $2,000 for the cabin, $3,000 for the power system of solar electricity, and I use propane. I have a propane tank in the back of the cabin, and I have a propane furnace, fridge, stove, and on-demand water heater, and those cost me just about $200 for an entire year. And we have cold winters here, folks under $200 for an entire year for all of my propane. That is the only utility bill I have. I do not pay for electricity. I do not pay for water because I drilled my own water well. Before I drilled my own water well, though, I hauled water in. But drilling a water well on a piece of property is not that hard. You can either do it yourself or hire somebody to do it. So I have no monthly utility bills. I have a house that's completely paid for, and I have freedom. A freedom that you can't get when you're under the pressure of a mortgage and utility bills. I want you to take just a minute and think about what you could do with your life if you had no house payments and no utility bills. And I'm telling you, it is completely possible. I'm not going to go into any details of how to get out of the house that you're in. You're going to have to figure that out and talk to some professionals for some help that way. All I'm here to do is tell you it's completely possible. Now, some of you are looking at the cabin and saying, yeah, but I couldn't possibly live in anything that small. This cabin was designed specifically for additions to be built on any of three sides. As you can see, the cabin has no windows on any of the three sides. There is a window in the back door glass. The sides are 14 by 14. The cabin was built to have uh, shed additions built on all three sides. This cabin is 400 square feet approximately inside with 200 square foot footprint. When you add on additions, you could add on an additional 400 square feet on either side and off the back, giving you anywhere from 800 to 1,200 square feet. The great thing about building a small cabin to start out with, though, is it gives you a place to live when you build on your additions. And that way you can wait and live very cheaply without any house payments or utility bills. And then when you have the money, you can build on the additions to expand the cabin. That's very good for a single person or a young couple who don't have children because you don't need a whole lot of space to start off with. This way you can save for it, build on as you want to, have the additions, uh, have the extra room if that's what you want. Now I live full time in this cabin. I live by myself, but my girlfriend comes up here on the weekends and we stay together and let me tell you it's perfectly comfortable. We don't feel cramped at all and we, we'd much rather have a small place like this. 
it takes a lot less money to heat, it takes a lot less money to cool, it's a lot easier to clean, uh, it's just a, a fantastic home. Now I'm not trying to push you into building a home exactly like mine, I'm just trying to provide you with some ideas. If you wanted to come up with different ideas, a different plan, that's, that's just fine by me. But if you are interested in learning how to build a home like mine, I do have an ebook available and a printed book available called Simple Solar Homesteading. Go to www.simplesolarhomesteading.com. You can learn how to build a cabin like mine or at least get some great ideas for building your own home. Now I want to repeat, I own my land. I have a house that I built for under $2,000. I have a solar electric system that I have for under $3,000. I use propane which costs me under $200 a year. I have no house payments. I have no utility bills. If you want a life like this, it is very possible. You can stop listening to the media, and you can stop being put under society's pressures to live in the type of houses that everyone tells you you have to live in. You can live very inexpensively, and you can do this at, an age, at any age, whether you're older or younger. If you're younger and you start in a place like this, imagine the amount of money that you would have to retire on with no house payments, no utility bills, and freedom. Thank you for joining me, folks. Please watch the rest of my videos for more detailed information on each of the systems and a complete walkthrough of the cabin. All right. Um, today's podcast is titled, Houses are built for banks and not people. And the more expanded title of this podcast is, Houses, I didn't say homes, houses are built for banks and municipalities and not for people. I just gave you two examples, one with 12-year-old Laura Nelson when she was 11. She built a camper that's considered personal property. Okay. Now, Lamar Alexander he built a cabin. Uh, I don't know if it's permanently attached to the ground. If it's permanently attached to the ground, it's real estate. But he's off the grid as far as utilities go. All right. If it's if it's uh, not permanently attached to the ground, his solar cabin, then it too would be considered personal property. So these are, once you have the housing structure. Permanently attached to the land via, you know, a concrete slab, stuff like that. That structure is now considered real estate. And when it's considered real estate, legally speaking, your de facto senior partner is the local taxing authority. They're going to send you a bill every year. Uh, saying that your property is worth so much money and that you have to pay taxes on that to the local government based on their assessment, not your assessment or a neutral third party's assessment, based on their assessment. And if you don't pay those taxes, they can take that property, put it up for auction, and sell it and collect their money. That's with real estate. If you take municipal water from that local uh, authority, and if you don't pay that water bill, 
They can put it up for auction, sell it, and you're out of the house. I'm advocating for people to get out of that system. Once again, the typical the typical person that's living in a house right now, particularly in the United States, you don't own that house. You now you've got some legal rights. But some of you saying, but I got a deed. All a deed is is a record of liens, encumbrances, and dates when a property is switched hands. Now, with the deed, you know, you, you, you do have some equitable rights. You can live in it, you know, in certain jurisdictions. Uh, if you wanted to rent out a spare bedroom, you can do that. In other jurisdictions, particularly your larger municipalities, you got to pull a permit for that. You got to get permit, and that's what a permit is. It it gives you permission if you pay the fee and get permission of the senior partner, which is the local government agency. You can rent out the room, okay? If you if you rent it out without getting permission, aka a permit, then the local authority they can spank you and put a fine on you. Now there, so I suggest look for jurisdictions where you where you don't have to deal with that. Now of course there's different strokes for different folks, but anyway. Houses, I would say 75 to 80% of the occupied houses, or even unoccupied houses, here in North America, particularly the United States and Canada, were built and are built and kept in the circulation for the benefit of banks, number one, and municipalities, number two. And getting, in my opinion, getting a mortgage loan is not to the benefit of the person who thinks he owns that property 100%. Laura Nelson, at 12, has a debt-free roof over her house. Debt-free. Lamar Alexander has a debt for, I mean, from the get-go. Because neither one of them, now in the case of Laura, Laura renovated her place. Lamar Stick built his from the ground up in two weeks. But he, neither one of them got a government loan. There's no HUD, there's no Fannie Mae, there's no VA, no Sally Mae, no Freddie Mac. Well, Sally Mac has to do with student loans, so that's they're not in this anyway. But um no 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 government programs. No real estate agents. None of that. But if you you go the way that most sheeps go, 
to a real estate agent. Um, it, it you're basically you're signing up voluntarily. You're signing up to be enslaved as a volunteer. Let's give another example of how to get into housing where you're free. Because I used to observe that a lot of those shacks used to be by the track where black people were. With the room in the back. Yes, with the room in the back. That was a safety net. Yeah where black people who would move here and there and go from here and there looking for jobs, that's usually why we move, and the jobs would play out like they always did. And do. But we had a place to go when the sun went down. But now those shacks by the track don't exist anymore. They came and built highways right alongside of those railroad tracks where those shacks used to be super highways so now if you get on a highway you might notice that if you sometimes you're right alongside of a railroad track you see trains passing as you're driving that is true down a super highway Mm -hmm. well see those highways used not to be there in the northwestern hemisphere it used to be shacks along there a lot of those shacks were on what we call railroad property but the railroad people, the people that ran the railroads, didn't care much because nobody wanted to be down. That wasn't prime real estate. No. Nobody wanted to be by the tracks anyway. So black people used to build those shacks around there back when black people knew how to build shacks. Black people don't know how to build anything now because they used to build places for white people, but they cut them off with things called unions, took them out took the carpentry all out of the schools and all like that. So how many black people do you know that know how to fix anything now? Hmm. It used to be thousands and millions of black people that know how to uh, build a house from scratch out of old pieces of lumber. Wow. A lot of people don't remember that. Most people are not that old to have seen it done. Hmm. I coming along, I'm old enough to remember when... Many black people used to get together on a Saturday afternoon. That was the only time they had off, or sometimes, or on a Sunday sometimes after church. They would get together, six or eight of them, and go down and build what they call a shotgun house. It wasn't much, but it was a roof over your head, a good solid roof. I've been in some of those houses, raised up in some, all right? They were excellent, solid houses. They could stand a lot of storm and rain. They weren't much, just maybe three rooms. But I've been in some of them, and there were many, 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 many of them. But along came the white supremacists and say, these Negroes know how to build stuff. We're going to fix that so the next generation won't know how to do anything except stand in front of a place that is built and big because they won't know anything about carpentry or masonry or how to make anything with them. All right, another example. And um, one of the things I'm going to get on a horn about today is um, 
We want to start off with once a month, starting right where I'm at, a get-together. I'm going to see if I, if I can get any bloggers that we can get together and put up one of those, put up, uh, not if, when, you know, that's what we're going to do. Uh, starting right where I'm at. Um We're going to pick a weekend, and hope you know what? We might be able to pull one off. Today's the 8th. We can pull one off this month. I believe we can pull one off this month. Uh, build one of these. I, I'm going to get on the phone today, and uh, I'm going. I'm going to be hitting up. I'm going to be hitting up some friends. I'm going to be hitting up some friends. Um. Because we're not going to get we're not going to get a um, no type of uh, bank loan, so to speak, to do this. Once again, houses or the houses that we build will be built for people, not banks or municipalities. Say some shit to y'all that uh, I seen yesterday that made me f- smile, but it hurt me to my heart. There's a house next door to me that's been abandoned, and uh, the yard, the grass, high as hell, and everything. There's a couple of abandoned cars out there beside the house. Well, yesterday I get off work about seven o'clock. A Mexican guy pull up. He said, "These your cars?" I said, "No." He said, "I just bought this house, man." I said, "All right, that's what's up." He was like. You know whose cars he is? He said, no. He said, well, I bought the house, not the cars. Okay, I'm like, cool. I'm thinking he's just coming to look at the house. I go back in the house, do a little straighten up. I swear to God, I walk back at the house. Now, I'm getting off about 720. It's fucking nine Mexican trucks just pull up. They got fucking beer, lights, and shit, right? So I'm like... What y'all finna do? He said, we finna fix this house. I said, what kind of crew you got working after 7 o'clock? He said, these my friends. The fucking house is fixed this morning. They went in there and drywalled that fucking house. Wow. I just left out of there. It was a fucking abandoned house. That bitch looked new this morning. Whew. It was an abandoned fucking house. And it looked new this morning. It's an old African proverb. Many hands make light work. I just don't think they're better than us. I just think we won't do nothing together. Wow. You're not hearing what the fuck I'm saying. It was an abandoned house yesterday at 7 fucking 15. That bitch is new this morning. He bought a tax lien house. 
I can't wait to see what they do. I can't wait to see is one family going to live in there? Is they going to... I'm, I'm going to get to know the motherfuckers. You best believe me when I make some money, I'm going to do it. I'm going to bring us together. And I'm not fucking with a lot of people. Okay. Um... Man, I'm getting pumped. I'm, I'm pumped up here. Today's podcast is titled "Houses Built uh, for Banks and Not for People." But what we, you know, what what we're doing, not what we're going to do. What we're doing is we're gonna we're gonna do the first one here in this month. The day's the eighth. By the end of this month, November 2021, we're gonna have one built. Okay, um, we're gonna take a page out of. Um, Actually, we want to take a page out of Laura Nelson as well as um, the nine friends I just played as well as Lamar Alexander. Um, this month, we're going to be planning for, <clears throat> and we're going to have a group vision vision uh, vision statement and board. But in any event, um, this month, we're planning for this month, November 2021, and... December and February. No, excuse me, not February. Uh, January. All right. But we, we're going to start with this month right where I'm at. And we're going to do the um, the Nelly Fuller thing. I mean, that's something that they built in the afternoon. Okay. Or a weekend at best, but that's where we're going to start. So, um, what I want to do, because we've got over an hour left of It's My House time on today's podcast, all right? So, what I am what I shall do now, if you guys got, if you got any suggestions, 619-768-2945, that's the number to call. If you got any suggestions on this, okay. What I'm, I'm going to play, play an audio. It could be music, it could be anything. But while I'm playing this audio, I'm, I'm, I'm organizing, I'm making phone calls to see who wants to jump on the bandwagon to do this Nelly Fuller thing. Okay, for starting this month, you know, I, I, all I'm, I'm looking for is a yes, and then I'll have a more in-depth discussion with them on what part do they want to play. Do they want to be actually involved in the physical building? Uh, can they pledge? I mean, because we're going to need materials. Okay, I mean, can you buy a box of nails? Can you supply a hammer? You know, can you, you got a, a circular saw. You know, can you make some sandwiches? Can you bring us some water? Can you bring us some fruit? So I'm getting on the phone right now with this because, like I said, we, I've got a little bit over an hour. I'm starting the day. The day's Monday. This is part of the It's My House housing outreach. Let me play this. 
You guys got any suggestions? Six one nine seven six eight two nine four five. Press one. Let's hear your suggestions.
people keep talking about how the world is going to come to an end. And I wonder, in these days and these times, if anybody... People keep talking about how society is falling down today. And as hard as I try not to listen just to what them folks got to say. But you know, I just can't help but look around and see we digging our own grave. And there's just one thing I want to know. Can anybody be saved?
Before I get started with this video, I just want to personally thank the brother Fred Hassan Powell of the Morale Facebook page for sharing this social political cartoon which is currently displayed in this video. I always big up brothers who are artists like him, my man Will James, Alex K. Art, Chris Miller, and others because their pictures speak volumes. They don't have to say one word because as they say, a picture is worth a thousand words. In fact, I want y'all to take a good look at this picture, which shows a brother with his hat flipped to the back, telling the bald-headed brother that he's hungry as fuck. When the brother attempts to hand him his own fishing rod so he can get some fish on his own, he gets verbally assaulted. No, nigga, I want some fish. Fuck out of here with that coon shit. Man, if you look closer, you'll see that the brother that says he's hungry got a fresh pair of Jordans on his feet. And once again, I want to thank you, Fred, for sharing that photo because it is a perfect warm-up for what I'm getting ready to bring up next. Look, last week, I had to stop past a gas station, and when I went in, I took a quick glance over to the newsstand, and I saw the Washington Post. The first thing that caught my eye was something that you normally don't see on the cover of a newspaper, which was a few straggling pants sagging brothers sitting on a stoop of a building outside. I didn't have the time to read the paper in the gas station because I had to fly, but I checked the article online when I got home, and I was just flabbergasted. I want you all to check it out for yourself in the description box. It is the December 9th edition of the Washington Post, and the front cover story is a look back at the riots which took place in Baltimore this past April following the death of Freddie Gray. The Post took the time to interview a few of the residents and get their personal take on how things have been and has any positive change comes to the streets of Baltimore after the riot. And one of the brothers that they interviewed was a young man that was out there on the streets peddling drugs from time to time, and he stated that he ended up finding out shortly after the riot that there were a few storefront apartments that were up for sale and that they were only selling for just $5,000 a piece. He then said that when he ran the idea of getting together and investing in the neighborhood past several brothers that he was out there selling drugs with on the streets, all of them told him no. And see, this goes to what brothers like myself, Sean James, and many others who are right here on YouTube have been telling y'all about this modern Negro, okay? This Baltimore brother that was interviewed by the Washington Post had a great idea and the right frame of mind to purchase this storefront property while the price is extremely low. But the rest of the Negroes that are around him ended up dragging him into the quagmire of apathy that surrounds the Negro landscape. See a dude. See that picture of your face. See a dude. That bitch good, nigga. Oh, oh. Beat our motherfucking ass. She's like you a motherfucking nigga. Beat our motherfucking ass. That nigga can't. That nigga hurting himself. You from Nuke State. had five rooms between both of the upstairs levels, and it just needed a little bit of furnishing. 
These spots could have easily been rented out to tenants or used as cheap housing by family and friends that could have worked a legitimate business out of that storefront. The Negroes just don't get it. Because the more legitimate storefronts, strip mall shops, apartments, and tenements you own would lessen the police targeting you. Because then you can do what the foreigners and white folks that own these places do, which is hire the police to work security at your properties and places of business. Why do you think they don't go upside the heads of these foreigners? Because they step to the police officers and let them know that they have work for them. These foreigners and white folks that own and run these storefronts hire the cops, and if they don't pay them with cash, they give them free merchandise and meals on the house, so they in turn look out for them. And half these cops do moonlighting security at these places, even when they are on duty, because all they got to do most of the time is just drive through with a squad car or do a quick foot patrol right near the business or apartment housing units that are being rented out. This is why they don't give the Chan family or any Chinese youngster any problems when they see them in the hood by their dry cleaners. This is why they don't bother Mr. or Mrs. Akbar or any Arab kids that they see near the gas stations they own. This is why they don't mess with Miss Yee or any of her grandkids that are close to the nail salon she owns. Because they take a small percentage of the proceeds and pad the local policeman's pockets. And see, your typical foolish Negro that would challenge what I just told you will say, well, see, you insinuating that we got to bribe the police for them to stop brutalizing us. But they, like most, don't know anything about capitalism. It is a game of economic musical chairs. I just gave you the analogy when I mentioned all the foreign families that own all the storefronts, strip malls, and rental properties. Who is the only one who is left standing up with no businesses or property to speak of when the music is done playing and the cops roll through the neighborhood? That's us yapping back and forth when the music stops and they tell our loitering asses to get moving or catch a bruising. That's us walking around with sagging pants and glow-in-the-dark fluorescent color wigs like this sister that you see right here tossing rocks during the riot last April. Now, she's throwing rocks and expressing her anger and frustration, but she has a fresh weave on top of her head, which helped pay some of the officers that broke Freddie Gray's back. So who is the sellout and coon, black folks? And think about it. If you own some of those storefronts and control the flow of unlaundered, legitimate-made currency that comes through those areas, you can do your illegal dirt all day long without that much harassment from the local authorities. You might draw attention from a few alphabet gang organizations like the DEA, FBI, and others, but the local guys aren't going to pay that much attention because you're helping them pay bills and you're putting food in their stomach. And since I brought up the subject of illegal activity and you pan-sagging clowns love to talk about how gangster you are, why don't you do what some of the Irish, Italian, Jewish, and Polish immigrants your dumbass keeps trying to emulate did by legitimizing some of your hustles and using the same police force that chases you around the neighborhood as a shield. See, most Negroes will try to tell you that we are always at the end of a nightstick, a baton, or getting showered with bullets just because we are black. But ask yourself a question. Why aren't that many Ethiopians and West Africans getting mollywhopped and punished to the extent that many so-called African Americans are in the U.S.? Remember, they're just as black and sometimes way darker than us. But why are there fewer cases? 
of them being brutalized and killed by the police, like we saw with Amadou Diallo or Abner Louima, both of which took place in New York. Why so few cases compared to us so-called Afro-Americans? It's because they're smart enough to own businesses, restaurants, furniture stores, parking lots, etc., and pay the cops to look the other way so their fellow countrymen aren't harmed in any way. That's the logical thing to do. But you can't tell this Negro from America that because you're still living off the backwards principle and creed of entitlement, which these liberals drafted up for us long ago. Instead of assessing this situation from a global perspective and seeing that everyone else seems to be purchasing everything around us so they can live comfortable lives and keep us at a position of marginalization as opposed to putting themselves in that boat, the Negro man and woman in the U.S. will counter it by saying, See, I object because my tax dollars pay for the police not to harass me. No, they don't, you imbecile. Especially after Uncle Sam rapes their paycheck just like he rapes everybody else's. Now, your pro-whack movement pseudo-black nationalist leaders will call me a coon for telling you this, but this is something that they know firsthand. They also know that you more than likely won't view this phenomenon from all angles because you're still under the influence of the can't-we-all-just-get-along flavor Kool-Aid most black folks drank after the post-civil rights movement era, thinking that all the bigotry-enhanced physical assaults and beatdowns we took during chattel slavery and Jim Crow had an exclusive cutoff date to them which is why every single year one of these highly publicized police brutality incidents takes place. There's some dumb Negro that says, I don't believe that in 2087 this is still happening to black people. Yeah, it is, and it's going to keep on happening in 2088 if you don't adopt a different way of thinking, dummy. Your pseudo-black nationalists won't tell you that you are mostly to blame for this continually happening because they want you to keep feeling sorry for yourself and attend more lectures and debates where they argue over whether or not a woman is God or which master teacher's philosophy is better to follow. But I'm here to tell you right now, black folks, that we don't need to attend a gazillion seminars travel with a million other jugheads to commemorate the anniversary of a march that never led to mass black improvement, or study the teachings of some philosophical doctor with 10 degrees to find a solution to our problem. This brilliant brother from Baltimore that was interviewed in the December 9th edition of the Washington Post, who more than likely didn't even finish high school, just gave us the answer. And if you're wondering why I titled this thing Ballin' on Baltic Avenue, I did so as a way of saluting one of my grandfathers. See, long ago when I was a very little boy, he taught me how to play Monopoly. I was about seven years old, and I was all geeked up racing around the board to buy Boardwalk and Park Place. And he said, go right on ahead. He let me do it and said, I'll just buy a Baltic, Mediterranean, Oriental, and all these other properties that you aren't even thinking about. So as the game went on, and I only owned Boardwalk, Park Place, and Pacific, I think, he had all the other properties, the railroads, the waterworks, the electric company, and a whole bunch of hotels and houses on all of them while I was looking silly. And I ended up having to sell what I owned and wait for that $200 paycheck once I passed go. Once it finally set in, that I lost the game, he chuckled and told me, son, you got to own what's in the ghetto before you walk around the block. 
And that lesson that my grandfather Dave, rest his soul, taught me still applies to this very day. Ownership is a universal language, no matter what culture or ethnicity you come from, because it regulates the sort of relationship you're going to have with most of the people around you.
All right, today's podcast is titled Houses Are Built for Banks and Not People. But that sparked me to thinking about, all right, we need to start building houses and teaching people how to build houses made for people. Build them from scratch without no 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 government loans or bank finance or nothing like that. So, um, today's November days. I figure we can we can get one little place built by the end of this month. Okay. Um, and here's what I've got so far. I've got a call. I got a call back. And a definite yes, I had to call them in about 90 minutes. Okay, that's a definite yes. Um, Let's see. I have another call for tonight wanting to know more about what we we plan on doing with this building project. And I'm going to say more than, it's more than one building. I just got another text. Um... More than one. We want one for this month of November 2021. All right. Now, I turned a no for this month into a maybe for December and January. So we're not only planning for this month, where we're actually going to execute this month. Okay. We're also pre-planning for December, next month, 2021. And January 2022. That's what we got going. So I'm I'm utilizing the podcast time, our live stream time today. I'm planting seeds. That's what I'm doing. All right. Uh, I just got enough. And we turned one no into a maybe. No for this month, but maybe for December or January. Um, Let's see. I just got a text here. All right, was this? It's, it's, all right, it's from the maybe, and something I got from one of my favorite books, um, written by John H. Johnson, who uh, was the founder of Ebony and Jet magazine when he was alive. And in this book, Succeeding Against the Odds, he says, "Almost everyone told me no at first including my wife, and he, he went on to learn how to turn those no's into yeses. So <clears throat> I turned one no into a maybe, um, and then I got a definite yes. So um, that's a good thing. Uh, if you got any suggestions, 619-768-2945. We're taking a page out of the Nilly Fuller thing, man. Nilly Fuller, I mean, we're, and I'm going to play that audio again. Uh, we're taking a little bit from Nilly Fuller, uh, Lamar Alexander with the Solar Cabin, and Laura Nelson. A little bit out of all three. That's what we have in motion right now. If you're interested in volunteering, and you might live far away from us. Okay, we're, 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 we're doing this. We're doing the first one or two right down here in Florida. All right, there's still a way that you can volunteer. All right, uh, we'll be back. If you got any suggestions, 619-768-2945. Once you get in, just press 1.
I used to observe that a lot of little shacks used to be by the track where black people were. With the room in the back. Yes, with oh. the room in the back. That was a safety net. Yeah. Where black people who would move here and there and go from here and there and looking for jobs, that's usually why we moved, and the jobs would play out like they always did. And, do. and But we had a place to go when the sun went down. But now... Those shacks by the track don't exist anymore. They came and built highways right alongside of those railroad tracks where those shacks used to be, super highways. So now, if you get on a highway, you might notice that if you sometimes you are right alongside of a railroad track, you see trains passing that as you're driving. True. That is true. Down a super highway. Mm-hmm. Well, see, those highways used not to be there in the northwestern hemisphere. It used to be shacks along there. A lot of those shacks were on what we call railroad property. But the railroad people, the people that ran the railroads, didn't care much because nobody wanted to be down. That wasn't prime real estate. No. Nobody wanted to be by the tracks anyway. So black people used to build little shacks around there back when black people knew how to build shacks. Black people don't know how to build anything now because they used to build places for white people, but they cut them off with things called unions, took them out, took the carpentry all out of the schools and all like that. So how many black people do you know that know how to fix anything now? It used to be thousands and millions of black people that know how to uh build a house from scratch out of old pieces of lumber. Wow. A lot of people don't remember that. Most people are not that old to have seen it done. Hmm. I coming along, I'm old enough to remember when many black people used to get together on a Saturday afternoon. That was the only time they had off or sometimes or on a Sunday sometimes after church. They would get together, six or eight of them, and go down and build what they call a shotgun house. It wasn't much, but it was a roof over your head, a good solid roof. 
I've been in some of those houses, raised up in some, all right? They were excellent, solid houses. They could stand a lot of storm and rain. They weren't much, just maybe three rooms. But I've been in some of them. And there were many, 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 many of them. But along came the white supremacists and say, these Negroes know how to build stuff. We're going to fix that so the next generation won't know how to do anything except stand in front of a place that is built and big because they won't know anything about carpentry or masonry or how to make anything with them. All right. Today um, we titled the podcast uh, Houses Are Built for Banks and Not People, but we're concentrating on people today. I've been making calls uh, for most of this, uh, calls, text messages, what have you, instant messages, um, for volunteers. Because It's My House now has a housing outreach. So I'm looking for volunteers uh, to help us build. Okay. Um, and, or if you can't volunteer your time or talent, then maybe we can pledge some money because we're going to have to buy materials. Uh, I'm, I'm, we got, what, 10 more minutes left on this, nine more minutes left on this podcast today, so I'm going to continue to make some calls and play some audio for you guys. If you got any suggestions or want to volunteer yourself, 619-768-2945, call in. Uh, we're starting here in Florida, but we're not restricted to Florida. Um, but, you know, we're interested in any kind of ideas that you have. This is a motion. We want to, today's November 8th. We Hopefully, we'll have our first one completed by the end of this month of November 2021. It's, it's the 8th already of the month. All right. One of the things I'll be working on next today is... Now we've got to find somebody who wants a place, who needs a place, and is willing to help build their own place. All right. So I'll be working on that, too. If you got any suggestions, 619-768-2945.
Couldn't squeeze the trigger. Couldn't do it, man. Hmm. Why not? Wasn't in me, I guess. You know, whatever it is in you that lets you flow like you flow and do that thing, it ain't in me no more. So you done soldiering, but you ain't done. Could use you for what you got in your head. We're going to put you on a corner. You could be inside. Oh, man. I ain't making myself clear. The game ain't in me no more. None of it. But you ain't done shit else. You know what I'm saying? So what you going to do? But it can't be this. All right, then. We straight. Prime it? That little rubber ball right there next to the spark plug. Gotta push it in three times before you try to start it. Gets the gas going to the car. You want the truth? I ain't never used one of these. Never had no call to. Yeah, well, I didn't pick you up for your landscaping skills. All these Spanish, they on paper too. Only use people like y'all. Sometimes it comes back on me, sometimes it works out fine. Well, how long you been uptown? Ten years. Hotter than a motherfucker out here. Yeah, it's hot. Every day, you're going to be riding in the back of that hard truck, bouncing around. Every day. And your back's going to be yelling at you. Every day. I used to drive an SL. Pretty gold convertible. Nice rims. I don't even think on that car no more. You put it behind you, huh? Some can. I'm just saying, you want to stay on the street. Ain't going to be no big reward to it. This is it, right here. Prime that bitch three times. She'll start right up. All right, well, uh, doggone, okay. All right, well, we're going to wrap it up for today. We're going to visit this topic again tomorrow, uh, or th later this week, maybe. Houses were built for banks and municipalities, not people. But what we've been working on today while we've been playing all this audio is volunteers. I just got my second yes. Uh, I've, been, I've been asking people, are they willing to volunteer to help people build homes, a la the, the Nelly Fuller thing, model. Uh, on that note, um, if you guys got any suggestions, 
because uh, we're about to log off now, 619-768-2945, or uh, after we shut down the podcast for today, the live stream for today, you know how to reach me. Uh, our plan is to have one for this month, on or before the last day of this month in November 2021. The day's uh, November 20, I mean, the day's the 8th. We're going to have one for December 2021, and we're going to have one in January 2022. We're doing all that planning now, so we can't help. If you can't help us this month, then we got two more right behind that. On that note, everyone have a good rest of the day.